We'll be in Mark chapter 1 this morning, continuing on in our study of Mark. We're, we're just kind of getting our, our feet wet. We're just kind of <laughs> dipping our toes in the water a little bit. We've been in Mark for the last few weeks, and Lord willing, we are going to go until we finish it, ever how long that takes. This morning we'll be in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. That's in the New Testament, kind of close to the front of the New Testament. <clears throat> Mark had made the case for Jesus in the first few verses, establishing who Jesus was by the testimony of many messengers. Uh, Mark himself, of course, and the prophets and God and the Holy Spirit uh, and all these that had testified to the Messiah that was coming and Mark was saying Jesus is that Messiah. Uh, we looked at uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry as he began to go out and begin to preach the good news and to tell people that the time had come, the things had been fulfilled and he was preaching to them the good news that they needed to repent of their sinfulness. Uh, and then last week we looked at and talked about Jesus making some of the first disciples. And we talked about the process of discipleship. Uh, and today we will continue on a little further. In Mark chapter 1 verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Just then, a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus, Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. News about him then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Let's pray. God, I pray that as we look at these words today, dear Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit this morning would touch our hearts, would help us to understand what your word says. And God, help us to understand how it applies to our lives. God, I pray that you help us to understand the wonderful, magnificent power of Jesus Christ, dear Lord. We come here today to read and learn about Jesus Christ so that we can preach the good news. And God, I pray that we would hear that good news. I pray that if there's one in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ, God, they will see in these verses today that he has the power to, to help them overcome anything, dear Lord that's in their life that may be weighing them down, God. I pray that you help us to, to just soak up the teachings of Jesus, God, that we would be astonished by the wonderful words and the wonderful guidance that Jesus gives us in these words. God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. Help me just to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring your word out. Help me to recall just the things I need to recall, dear Lord. Just let the Holy Spirit speak through me today for the good of these people. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So here Jesus is entering into a synagogue, which is something that we uh, see from time to time in the Scripture. And in verse 21, we are uh, introduced to uh, something that's a common theme, I think, throughout the a New Testament in the early books. In verse 21, Then when they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. Now, Jesus came to preach and to teach. He did that through his whole earthly ministry. Three years, give or take a few months either way. Jesus uh, had this earthly ministry where he was going to preach the good news. He was trying to tell people uh, and get people ready. He wanted them to repent of their sins. He wanted them to come to him. He wanted them to follow him. He wanted them to follow the Lord. And so he would teach them the word. He would teach them the word so that they could rightly understand the word. Now that was a problem for the people of Jesus' day. If you read the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, there were many occasions where the people would come to him and they would not agree with what he had to say. They would think he was speaking blasphemy. The things that they were teaching and preaching many times were not the same things that Jesus was preaching. Now, they were indeed taking God's Word, what we call the Old Testament, but sometimes they had kind of misinterpreted it. They had twisted it in a way uh, that, that they had missed the point of it. They had missed the true meaning of what God really intended. When Jesus came onto the scene and began to preach and teach, he was no doubt the best preacher and teacher that has ever walked this earth. He was able to understand God's Word perfectly. After all, He was God. So He knew exactly what the words meant and what the intent of and what we needed to get from those words. And as Jesus began to preach and teach the words, He began to point out things and bring out things and say things that oftentimes rubbed people the wrong way. Now, the same may be true for us today. There may be things that you've heard preached before or things that you have heard taught before or things that you have read in God's Word and by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that rubbed you the wrong way. You didn't want to hear what was being said. You didn't like what was being said. It didn't go along maybe with what you wanted to believe or what you wanted to do or maybe even what you had been taught. In verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. So what do we know about Jesus? Well, in this verse and in other verses in the New Testament, it tells us he was unlike the other teachers of the day. We see the same thing at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, that Jesus was unlike the other rabbis. He was unlike the other teachers. What made him different from those other teachers of the day? Well, he was preaching as one who had authority. Now, who has more authority than the Lord? Well, no one. Jesus could preach with all authority because he had all authority. And his preaching was different than that of the other rabbis of the day. <clears throat> now, many of the things that they would say were, were, were probably just repeating what other rabbis would say. That is, they would hear a good teaching and they would repeat that teaching. But as we see in the New Testament, a lot of the things that they were repeating or a lot of the things, the burdens that they were putting on the people and telling them to do were not what God's Word really said. What they had done throughout the years, the teachers and the rabbis and the leaders, had twisted God's word in a way and misinterpreted God's word in a way and added things to God's word in a way that it was completely missing the point. 
And they were simply repeating these things, and they were living by these things, some of which were probably what God intended and what was right, but other things they were doing that they should not be doing, or accepting things they shouldn't accept, or even putting extra burden on them by going beyond what the law said in some instances. And when Jesus came along, he didn't simply repeat the same old things, instead he spoke with authority. He spoke with truth. He told them what the word meant. He even would get on them a little bit and say, Woe to you who are acting this way and who are acting this way and who are doing this and who are doing that. And, and Jesus was pretty stern. And as a result of that, they hated Jesus. Now, Jesus was full of compassion and love, but there are occasions in the text where he is not afraid and ashamed to preach and teach the truth. As a result, many of the people of Jesus' day wanted to kill him. Now, there were some who were astonished, and probably astonished in a good way, in that they wanted to hear more, that their eyes had been opened, that their ears had been opened, that they had heard the truth. Now, for many of those who desired to kill Jesus, they were very religious. That is, they were following all the religious tradition and the rituals. They may have gone to the synagogue every day. They may have dressed in the right way. They may have said very long prayers. They may have given the most uh, in, the, in the offering plate. But they were people who were merely religious. But Jesus doesn't want people who are religious. Jesus wants to make us righteous. Now, we cannot be made righteous by becoming religious now, upon being righteous in Jesus Christ, yes, we are religious, but religion is not what saves us. Now, if you are a Christian, you are indeed religious. But if you are just religious, you may not be a Christian. Now, in Jesus' day, many of the people who were coming to him and often challenging him, they were merely religious. They were following the teachings of everybody else throughout the years. We see that uh, uh, in a couple of different instances uh, throughout the text where Jesus corrects them about following the traditions of men's. That is, they had allowed their own things that they had done throughout the years, the own things that had been passed down to them throughout the years, to take precedent in their relationship with God over what God had commanded them to do in His Word. And so when Jesus came and begin to preach something that was totally different than what they were used to, as he was unlike all of the other teachers of the day, it got their attention. Now, the same may be true for us, because we can fall into the same trap as the people of Jesus' day, in that we may be guilty sometimes of being religious. Now, the fear of that is, is that some live their whole life religious, and they never except Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to fall into that trap. That's the, that's the danger of, of just following our traditions. Now, in their case, it caused many of them to miss the Messiah. They didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say because it was different than everything they had heard. In some cases, it was unlike the other teachers. And so they wrote it all. They didn't pay him any attention. There were others who heard what he said, and even though it was different from what they were taught, they realized that it was true and that it was right. Now, there are advantages and benefits for those of us who may have grown up in a Christian home and in a Christian church. I myself am one of those people who have 
been coming to church since I was in the womb. So I am around God's Word. I've, been, I've known God's Word. I've read God's Word. I've heard God's Word. I've grown up in a good Christian environment. And that is a wonderful, beautiful thing. And some of you may have come from a similar background where you grew up in God's Word, and that is a, an excellent thing. But it can come with some negatives. That is that we can go through all of these religious traditions that we sometimes do, that we may miss Jesus. That, that is, we've, we've grown up around religion and church so much that maybe we fail to realize what it is that saves us in Jesus Christ. Now, that's a beautiful thing that we may grow up in church, but sometimes it may be a disadvantage. Now, for those who don't grow up in church or have never gone to church, uh, they may uh, have never heard of Jesus Christ before, which is a definite disadvantage to them, which means it may be more difficult for them to accept Jesus because who knows when they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Although when they do hear the Jesus the gospel of Jesus preached, it may, it may uh, transform their life in a different way than those who have grown up in church because to them it's a fresh new thing, something they've never heard or experienced before. For those of us who grow up in the church, we may indeed be Christians if we've accepted our, uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, although not everybody may have. I don't know your hearts. Uh, we may have grown up in the church, but to some of us who have grown up in the church, Sometimes maybe God's Word seems a little boring to us. Or sometimes we've just heard something our whole lives and we never question it. We've heard from this preacher and this teacher in our whole life and they tell us this and they tell us this and they tell us this and they tell us this. And for 20, 30, 40, 50 years we are taught the same thing and we maybe never read God's Word for ourselves and never begin to seek God and say, is this what your Word says? We never question it. We never dig in. We never try to uh, grow deeper in it. As a result, there may be things that we are missing in God's Word. Now, in Southern Baptist circles, there are certain doctrines that the Southern Baptists preach and teach, and that's true with any denomination or with any group. There are things that we may hear our whole life, and we may believe those things, and it may be that the people who are teaching us those things are teaching us to the best of their ability with no intent to deceive us. But they may be simply repeating things that they have heard from generation to generation to generation. Now, that's what was going on here in Jesus' day. The rabbis and the teachers were simply repeating the things that they thought were right, and they were uh, maybe tweaking them throughout the generations, but they were just passing on what, was, what was been, had been taught to them. And when Jesus came and shook things up by preaching something that grabbed a hold of their attention, unlike anybody else, boy, it made some of them mad. Now, the same may be true for us. Now, I'm not calling you and asking you this morning to question everything you've been taught as though everyone who's ever taught you is a deceiver. But I am telling you this, that God has given you His Word. And it's our responsibility to read God's Word and make sure that we are following the Lord and we are following His Word to the best of our ability and that we have not been led astray by some tradition, some religious ritual something that in our mind that we have made important, that is not important. Well, we've done it all these years, so this must be what God wants us to do. This must be the right way to do it. Well, it may or may not be. But we don't gauge if something's right or wrong by how long we've done it. We gauge if something's right or wrong by is that what the Word of God tells us to do or not to do. 
So the people of Jesus' day, it caught them off guard when they heard Jesus preach, and they were astonished at his preaching because it was unlike anybody else's. And the same may be true to us. We may sometimes hear God's word preached, and we may hear something we've never heard before. Now, when we do hear something we've never heard before, or something presented in a way we've never heard it, the first thing we need to do is pay close attention. The next thing we need to do is study God's Word to see if it's true. Just because it's new to us doesn't mean that it's wrong. Just because we've never been taught it or been taught something different doesn't necessarily mean that the new thing is right or the old thing is wrong or vice versa. But we have an obligation and an ability in God's Word to read and say, is this what God's Word really says? We don't want to be those who live and follow a tradition and live in religion and miss Jesus Christ as many of the people of Jesus' day did. They were astonished by his teaching because it was unlike the other teachers. When you hear teachings that may astonish you today, pray to the Holy Spirit and seek God's word and see what's of God. It's not whether it's new or old, it's whether it's in God's word. That's what we desire and need to follow in our lives. In verse 23, Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus, Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So here in the synagogue with them, as these people were gathered and they were hearing the teaching that was taking place by Jesus, there was someone among them who possessed an unclean spirit. That is, they were demon-possessed. And they were right there in the synagogue with all of the rest of the people. Now, he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus, Nazarene? Now, isn't that interesting that the possessed person, the one that was demon-possessed, that had the unclean spirit, recognized who Jesus was? Now, the other people there, obviously, some of them at least, didn't recognize who Jesus was, even though the Old Testament was full of, of things that, that pointed to the Messiah, things that should have helped them to know that he was the one that was coming. John the Baptist had already prophesied that, or, or excuse me, had preached that and told, told them that, look, the Messiah has come. The people, at least some of them, should have recognized and acknowledged who Jesus was. Now, they were astonished at his teachings, but not this unclean spirit that was in this person. Not this demon that was there. The demon knew exactly who Jesus was. And he asked a question, What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? Now, isn't that another good little clue? The, the demons, the unclean spirits, know, one, that they are going to be destroyed. We see another incident, or we'll, look, we'll see another incident in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus uh, comes to a man who is in the tombs, who is possessed by many demons. He asks his name, and the man says, Legion, because we are many. That is, there were many demons who had possessed this man. And the demons said a similar thing. Have you come to destroy us? Except they added a phrase at the end of that. Those demons said, Have you come to destroy us before the time? Now, that's very important, because there will indeed be a time when Jesus Christ will destroy those evil forces. Well, he will destroy the unclean spirits. Well, he will destroy those who have come against him. That day is coming, but that time has not come yet. As a result of that, 
The evil, the evil in the world, the unclean spirits in the world, I believe still exist. I believe that the devil still has an influence in this world today. Now, some would say, oh, demon possessions are a thing of the past, and demons can't have any influence on us, and demons can't possess people anymore. And you can believe that, but I believe that the demons still have an influence and an impact in our world today and can affect people and can <coughs> possess people as they did here in this story. Now, this demon knew who Jesus was. He recognized him. He asked him, have you come to destroy us? This demon didn't put up a fight. He knew that he could not win that fight. He knew that he would ultimately be destroyed by Jesus, and he asked if Jesus was going to do that. Now, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, isn't that interesting that even the demons know who Jesus is? And maybe even fear him in that he said, have you come to destroy us? There was possibly some fear there. There was a, the, the fear of this demon, the, the, the demon knew with its, uh, that, that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the Holy One of God. But even still, knowing that, he did not follow Jesus. He didn't make any attempt to say, have mercy on me, Jesus. Even though he maybe feared being destroyed by Jesus and knew who Jesus was, simply having a knowledge of Jesus is not what saves us. After all, we see in the text on multiple occasions that even the demons believe in Jesus. Even Satan himself believes in Jesus and that he is the Son of God. Uh, they believe in Jesus, and there may be some in here today who believe in Jesus. But it's not simply enough for us to believe with our head and have knowledge that, hey, Jesus is God's son, and I believe he's God's son, but yet we are called to trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, the demons believe in Jesus, but they don't trust in Jesus. Now, we need to have the fear of a demon, but we need to have the faith of a follower. That is, we need to see Jesus when we read about him in his words, when we, when we, when we hear the gospel preached or taught to us. We need to fear Jesus. We need to recognize, whoa, he is the Son of God. After all, Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There should be a certain fear of the Lord in our lives, and that one day we will have to stand before God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we will have to stand before him, and boy, think about all the things that we've done that we will have to answer for. But for those who are in Jesus Christ, our sins are covered. Our sins are covered by his blood. Now, we need to fear the Lord, but that fear should drive us to saying, God, by acknowledging and recognizing that you are all-powerful and acknowledging and recognizing that I am a humble sinner, that I am not worthy of your love, God, please have mercy on me so that I can experience your grace and not your wrath. Now, that's what fear should drive us to. It should drive us to faith to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want you to just necessarily believe in Jesus with your head, I want you to trust in Jesus with your heart. That's what the Bible calls us to. We need to fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. And that fear needs to leave us to a, lead us to a faith that is we are going to follow Jesus. That when we hear his words, when we read his words, hopefully we are astonished by them. If you hadn't read the words of God, you need to read the words of God. 
You need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you need to see Jesus. You need to see how he interacted with people. You need to see what he spoke to people, what he said. I'm going to tell you what, it's life-changing. It'll apply to your life, I promise you. There are things that you go through and will go through and have gone through that when you read God's Word, it is going to seem, it is going to seem alive to you because it is alive. And the words of Jesus can speak to us and touch us in a way that it's, you can't explain it if you've never done it. You cannot explain that to somebody. If they've never read the words of God, if they've never read about Jesus, if they don't know what he said and what he did and how he lived, you can't explain that to somebody without, without reading it to them in God's words. God's words are far better than our words. I could never explain things in a way nearly as good as God's word is. That's why it's important for us to read God's word and experience Jesus so that we will be astonished by his words and that we will follow him, that we will say, you are the son of God. You, Lord Jesus, you gave your life for me even though I didn't deserve it. You forgave me of my sins by shedding your blood on the cross and I accept that forgiveness, Lord Jesus. I humble myself before you and I want to follow you and I want to serve you. Now, I don't want anybody in this room to be somebody who's gone to church their whole life and heard about Jesus and has been as religious as anybody in this world but never follows Him, never accepts, accepts Him, never trusts Him to be their Lord and Savior. I want us to be those who hear God's Word, who are astonished by it, who recognize the greatness of God, who recognizes our sinfulness and said, Lord Jesus, save me because I am a wretched sinner in need of a Savior. That's the people we want to be, those who are astonished by Jesus' teachings and those who follow his example and accept him as Lord and Savior. Verse 25, But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. They were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. News about him spread, excuse me, news about him then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. So here Jesus has come and he's begun to preach. And it's already got the people's attention because he speaks and preaches in a way that's unlike the others that they had heard. Then Jesus is challenged by this man who comes with an unclean spirit. This unclean spirit acknowledges who Jesus is and, and knows who Jesus is and even testifies to who Jesus is. He's the Holy One of God. And then upon Jesus meeting this opposition, what does Jesus do? Does he argue with him? Does he fight with him? Is there a struggle with this demon-possessed man? Not at all. Jesus says, be quiet and come out of him. At the word of Jesus, at the command of Jesus, he commanded the evil spirit to leave. He commanded the evil spirit to be quiet and to come out of the man. And in that instant, and the unclean spirit convulsed, convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. Here we see the very power of Jesus Christ right here in these verses. We think about those things, those temptations that may uh, come upon us frequently as we all have them those things that may be evil that are just tempting us, those things that we struggle with and say, God, how am I ever going to overcome this? Now, this could be true for the Christian or the non-Christian. 
For the Christian, it could be true. And guess what? If you're a Christian, you're still going to struggle because there are still going to be temptations. There are still going to be things that are going to be hard for you to overcome. You are still going to be attacked by the forces of evil. We, we battle against the spiritual forces, uh, not of this world, not of flesh and blood, but against uh, the, the forces of evil, against the evil one who always comes against us and who wants to tempt us and who wants to lead us astray. And those things are things that even the believer must struggle with. But the good news is, is that in Christ Jesus, for the believer who's received Jesus Christ and accepted Him and received the Holy Spirit, as we will be victorious. Because He who is in us is greater than He who is in the world. We see that in this little short section of Scripture right here. Even when the forces of evil came against Jesus, He spoke a word and they left. Now, the same power that Jesus showed in this passage is the same power that is within us who have accepted Jesus Christ. He is within us. He gives us the strength. He gives us the power. Not by our abilities, not by how religious we are, not by how often we've come to church, but by His power of His death and resurrection from the cross, He is victorious. He is victorious over the forces of evil. And when the time comes, He will destroy them forever. But until that time, we still live on this earth and we still face the struggles and the temptations and the trials. For those who are in Christ, we go to the Word. We go to Jesus. We call out in His name that He would spare us, that He would be with us, that He would deliver us. As, as Satan began to tempt uh, Jesus uh, at the beginning of His ministry with all of these things, He tried to twist the Word. He tried to get, uh, get Jesus to give in to pride. And all of these things, Jesus continued to quote the Word. And after He got through, He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. And guess what? <coughs> Satan fled from Him. Now when we accept Jesus Christ and He's in us, Guess what? We have the power of Christ. Get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. May be a phrase that some of us need to hold on to. We need to trust in Christ to know that whatever we may be going through, that Jesus has the power to deliver us from that, if it's His will. Sometimes it's His will for us to maybe learn something through an experience. Sometimes Jesus will answer our prayers, but maybe not that instant. Sometimes it may be a day, it may be a week, it may be a month, it may be a year. And if God has not answered our prayer and our request, it's probably because there is something God wants to teach us or something we need to learn through that process. There is some reason why God does things the way He does them in His time. I don't know why that is. I'm not God, but I know God works in His time and not mine, which is kind of a bummer because I want Him to work in my time. Well, maybe it's not a bummer, because if it was in my time, it'd be wrong. But his time is always <coughs> right. And we can, take, uh, we can take assurance in the fact that if we are in Christ Jesus, we are victorious. We are already victorious over sin. Now, for those who are not in Christ Jesus, there may be things in your life. If you're sitting here today and you've never trusted Jesus, there may be things in your life and you're saying... Well, golly, I don't know how I can overcome this. I've struggled with this for years. I've struggled with anger. I've struggled with abuse. I've struggled with alcoholism. I've struggled with drugs. I've struggled with unfaithfulness to my wife. I've struggled with whatever it is. There are tons of things that, that, are, that are bigger than us, that we can't handle things that burden us, that stress us, that weigh us down, things that we cannot overcome on our own. 
There may be some of you in here that's never trusted Jesus Christ and you're trying to overcome those things. And I want to tell you today, you cannot overcome sin on your own. But you can turn to the one who has overcome sin for you, and that is Jesus Christ. You can turn to the one who, just as he was victorious over the evil in these verses, and with his word, the evil fled, you can come to that one, that Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. You can come to him, and you can find security, and you can find joy, and you can find assurance, and you can find one who will take the burden of that sin from you. We see here in these verses the power of Jesus Christ, and it was not just a power for these people then. It is a power for us now and forevermore, and that Jesus Christ has been victorious through his death on the cross and his resurrection by the Lord, and in that victory, he wants to share it with you and I. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to hear his words. He wants us to hear what he said. He wants us to see what he does. He wants us to be astonished by that, that we are drawn to him, that we see his love, and that we accept his sacrifice. Now, maybe you've read God's word a million times, but maybe you've never been astonished by it. Maybe you've been to church a thousand times, and you've been very religious. Maybe you know who Jesus is, but you've never trusted him I want you to hear God's word today I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you wants to save you wants to forgive you and has the power to help you through whatever you're going through and most importantly he and he alone can forgive you of your sins if you hadn't been astonished by him today I hope you are astonished by him if you've never followed him I hope today that you follow him let's pray God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for these words. And God, I pray that when we hear you, hear your words, Lord Jesus, that we are amazed by them, that we're astonished by them, even if, it, even if it's something that goes against maybe what we've been taught, dear Lord. Maybe we've been taught wrong, or maybe we've been taught right. But God, more importantly than anything, we want to be taught by you. So help us to look at your words, to hear your words, to take them to heart, dear Lord, and to live by them. God, your words are hard sometimes. They call us the things that are difficult to do like loving our enemies and turning the other cheek, dear Lord. But I pray that you help us to take those tough words and live by them too. I pray that we're astonished by what we read that you say. God, I pray that we see who you are, that you are the Son of God. Lord Jesus, I pray that we see that you are the one who's given your life for us. God, I pray that you help us to recognize your Son. Help everyone in this room to recognize your Son, that they would not miss Him today. God, I pray that you would help us whatever we struggle with, whatever's against us. God, the forces of evil that may be tempting us and, 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 and causing us depression or anxiety and, and things like that, dear Lord, that we overcome those things through Jesus in your time, God. But I pray that we trust Jesus through the process as long or as short as it would take, God, knowing that by His power we would be victorious over, over whatever we may come up against, dear Lord. When the evil comes against us, God, we have one who is, who is greater than the evil coming against us in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there's one in this room that has never accepted Jesus Christ today, that they would just accept Jesus, that they would come to Him, that they would acknowledge Him, dear Lord, as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray for those in this room that are already followers of Jesus, that you help us to grow in Your Word, to live by Your Word, dear Lord. Help us never to be guilty of being religious. It may be easy to fall into that trap. 
It may be easy to get lazy and go through the motions, but God, let us, let us not just come to church to come, dear Lord, but let us come to grow in you. Let us not re just read your word to read it, but let us read it to grow in you. Dear Lord, let us leave this place and, and uh, not forget about you to next week, but live for you every day of the week. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.